This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Whether the action is at the link or the bank, there's never an off day on Broad Street. It's the biggest news of the day, every day, with takes from someone who's never short on them. It's WIP Daily with Joe Giglio. Welcome on in, WIP Daily. Joe Giglio with you. Appreciate everyone listening, subscribing, following the podcast. Of course, our YouTube page, 94WIP. Check it out. Subscribe there. Videos of WIP Daily, myself and Tucker Bagley, the High Hopes guys, Skull Birds, all putting up videos and some clips of the WIP shows every single day on the 94WIP YouTube page. All right, we'll get into it today. I want to do some Phillies today after winning Atlanta last night. The Phillies... You know, it's interesting. There's not much drama in terms of, of the playoffs and their ability to make it in. And the Phillies, for the better part of three weeks, two weeks, have been a 95% plus, you know, type of team in terms of chances to make the playoffs. I don't think anyone actually thinks they're going to miss the playoffs, even if they drop a couple games here and there, lose three or four of the Braves last week, have a tough weekend. Like, no, that, that thought really hasn't crossed anyone's mind since the month of August. The Phillies basically clinched their playoff spot in the month of August. And that makes the decision-making process really the drama. The, the two things that are dramatic and interesting over the next couple of weeks for the Phillies is who are they going to play? And that is totally up in the air. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, the Diamondbacks, the Cubs, the Marlins, the Reds, the Giants, I mean, they're all still in this thing. Not, you know, the Giants, are, are more of an uphill climb, but everybody else is basically tied. Um, after that, for the two spots beyond the Phillies. So I have no idea. I mean, I, I think it won't come into focus uh, last week who they're going to play. And we can go about ranking who we want to see, who we don't want to see, who's the most dangerous. Um, and in a three-game series, it might not really even be about who you think the best team is or their run difference or anything like that. It just might be about pitching matchups and if they can line up their top two guys, their bullpen and, and platoon stuff like that in a three-game series, it, it, and, and the manager on the other side, obviously, it could get it get a little murky there. It could get a, you know, a little weird in a, in a three-game series. So we'll get to all that stuff coming up on, on the podcast. But really, the, the roster decisions for the Phillies, that's what's super interesting over the next couple of weeks. And, you know, tonight the Phillies will do a tandem piggyback kind of start where Christopher Sanchez started the game. Lorenzen coming out of the bullpen to relieve him, which I think is is a double whammy. You get another shot at seeing... Sanchez start against the Braves. It'll be twice in a, in a week here, and he did a good job last week, all things considered. And then you get to limit his innings in a little bit if you do still want to use in the playoffs. And then you get to finally start seeing Lorenzen come out of the bullpen here, which is what he's going to have to do to help this Phillies team down the stretch of the season. So I, I like that. And that's certainly 
a big part of things. Who are going to be the four in the rotation? Um, you know, the three in the first round. I mean, as poorly as Nola's pitched in September, which what else is new? I still believe the Phillies are going to roll out Wheeler, who was excellent last night against Atlanta, Sanchez, Nola, in some order. I mean, Wheeler's going to be game one, and then it's going to be either Nola or Sanchez, uh, either Nola or Suarez, excuse me, in game two, and then game three is going to be the other one. And then as if they get to the NLDS to get to the Braves, well, that's where you'll find out, will they roll out a fourth starter and it being Walker or Sanchez? And, and you know, Lorenz is ready based on moving to the bullpen. So that, that's happening. Uh, the, the next big decision, and the one that I think is really the most interesting now, is the outfield situation. Like, clearly, Bryce Harper's ability to play first base on an everyday basis is the, the backbone to this decision and what the Phillies can do here. But he has played it more. Last couple of weeks, it feels like they have begun to ramp Bryce Harper up. Now, there's always a shot. There's always a a thing with his back to where he absolutely could not feel like he could play it every single day. Um, you know, down the stretch of the season in, in October, he could need a day. You know, we've had a, it's been a weird. I would say I wouldn't say it's not been successful because I think it has been. All things considered, Bryce Harper as a first baseman, but it's been bizarre. It has not been smooth. It has not been like, all right, we ramped him up. It's like the first week, two times, next week, three times, next week, four. And then by now he's an everyday first baseman. Now it's, it's at his peaks and valleys. We just played a bunch and he had a sore back and then didn't really play it at all. And then he kind of went back in there. And now it feels like as we're getting closer to, it's almost like, um, you know, a little procrastination is if you have a, yeah, you know, when you were in school and you had to do a, a paper or something. You know, or a project. It's like, uh oh, I, you know, I got a day left. I got to get to work here, and it, it kind of feels like that with the Bryce Harper first base thing. But he's played it more, and and that means the Phillies have two outfield spots to decide on and who they're going to play and how they're going to line this thing up when we get to October. Obviously, if Bryce Harper plays first base, Kyle Schwarber could DH, and it makes the Phillies a better team because they can put defense in the outfield. But really, they have four guys for two spots, and I think you know. In, you know, depending on how you feel about Brandon Marsh and his ability or inability to hit lefties, it's obviously much worse against lefties and righties. But you know, you could say they have four spots to play with, you know, four players in two spots, or you could just say Marsh is going to man one of the outfield spots, and what do they do with the other? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Here's where I'm at right now. I want game one of the playoffs. And look, if they're playing, let's say the Cubs and Justin Steele is on the mound, uh, I think he'd probably be the only team to throw a lefty in game one. I mean, I guess the Reds could with it with Abbott. So it's but yeah, there's a potential they see a lefty, but the Giants have Webb, you know, the Marlins have a variety of pitchers. It could be Luzardo. I mean, there's actually a chance of a lefty there. Um but let's say it's the Diamondbacks. It'll be Gallon, right? It'll be Pat. Yeah, I almost said Pat Gallon from CBS Three. It'll be Zach Gallon. Um, it'll be Gallon on the mound. It'll be you know a Logan Webb. 
you know, and, and obviously it, it'll come down to how these teams have to use their pitchers down the stretch to get in. But there's a real chance they'll see a righty. I would say it's a 60% chance they'll see a righty in game one of the postseason series versus a lefty. So let's just leave it at that. So the platoon thing is, is in the backdrop, but it's not like overwhelming. Here's what I want in game one. I'm going to line it up position by position for you. Game one of the playoffs. I want, obviously, Ramuto catching. Bryce at first. Stott at second. Turner at short. Bowman at third. In the outfield. Castellanos in right. Johan Rojas in center. And Brandon Marsh in left field. That is the Phillies' best team right now. Johan Rojas has become a major story. And it's interesting because about, a, I don't know, two, three weeks ago, they basically didn't play him for more than a week. They just, they, they stopped playing. You know, Pache came back. Cave was hitting a little bit. They were facing some righties. And they didn't play Johan Rojas. And it felt like, oh, okay, they thought that was a cute story when they needed somebody. But now that everyone's come back here and they're facing righties, it's over for Johan Rojas, at least for this year, as this team gears up for the playoffs. That, that's, that's what it felt like we were heading towards. And then they put him back in, and all Johan Rojas has done is hit. I mean, it, it's all he does. Opposite field home run last night. He has more than held his own at the plate. More than held his own. I mean, I'm, I'm not expecting much offense out of Johan Rojas. I mean, I, I just need to the kind of the, the baseline of his minor league career, you know, moving up to this level. I'm not expecting him to be a big-time hitter at this stage of his career. I don't know if he ever will be. I mean, if he could be a decent hitter with the defense he provides and the base running he provides, it's a very valuable player. But Rojas has more than held his own as a hitter. He's got some clutch hits. You know, the power with his first real home run, because he went off a position player for his first one. So I'll, I'll say his first real home run last night. His base running has been, uh, I think, quite good. And we can't just spend enough time talking about Johan Roas's defense. It is not just good. It is superb. In fact, the, when I watch this guy play the position, I really believe he is special. A rare defensive center fielder. The kind of guy that does not come around very often. And we're talking about, and I don't think it's it's over the top or hyperbolic to say like Andrew Jones. To say, you know, pick out your gold glove center for those. Devin, Devon White over there. Devon White was bigger and had longer strides. But you know what I mean? He reminds me of Marquise Grissom when I watch him a little bit. A very young Marquise Grissom. He has that kind of ability in the outfield to go track the baseball. And he glides to the ball. He takes great routes. He reads the ball off the bat well, and he glides. He, he gets to the ball, and he makes plays that other center fielders would have to dive or make a ridiculous play on, and he just catches them. I think sometimes we're almost overlooking what he's doing because he makes it look so easy. He doesn't have to dive. He doesn't have to go, you know, the perception is that he has to go full out to make this play because he doesn't. That's how gifted he is. He's a special defensive player. And, you know, as we head towards October, every out counts. Every little play counts. And for Phillies pitchers, especially ones not named Zach Wheeler, you know, one little one little bloop becomes a rally. And then a bloop and a blast becomes a deficit. And then a deficit becomes a loss. Like this, this, all these little things add up. And even Wheeler, to be fair, he's been very good most of the year. So like two or three weird starts, which I think really have inflated his year, right? Because you look at Wheeler's underlying numbers, it's very good. I mean, he, he's had a very good season. Um, by a lot of metrics. It's just his ERA's a little bit higher than maybe you expect. You want to be in a couple of those have just been like those kind of games where a bunch of bloops or hits fall in 
and he has a bad inning. You put Rojas out there, and I think you probably avoid more of those. Or he's going to make a play that maybe someone else couldn't. He's a superb center fielder, and if he's going to hit, if he's going to hit enough, he's got to be. He's my center fielder when the playoffs start. Not only is he in the playoff roster, he's my center fielder. Now, as far as left field goes, that's where putting Brandon Marsh. And I know there's been the Phillies have really tried to hide him against left-handed pitching. They, they really don't believe he can do it. And like, do I love the idea of going into a playoff game with two, you know in two outfield spots, uh, you know Rojas and Christian Pache? I don't love that idea because it just feels like there's not enough pop, not enough offense. You basically have two spots. Now, if it's against a lefty, Pache does hit lefties you know, more. And maybe on that day, you think of him as a little bit of a higher grade offensive player. But the reality is Pache's not a good offensive player and he hasn't been his whole major league career. So, yeah, I mean, going in with a rookie in Rojas who we're still learning how much you can hit and Pache and left, that would be, it would feel a little thin. I mean, you could, if you, if you go down this route, if the Phillies did, you could start a game with Pache in left against a lefty. Let's say the Cubs are in, it's Justin Steele in game one. And then as soon as Steele's out of the game, you put Marsh back in. You could do that. I mean, you, you really could kind of set it up to where it's a platoon thing. I wouldn't hate that. But I, I'm going to roll in game one of the playoffs with Brandon Marsh in left field. He has been one of the Phillies' best players all season. I think that he deserves more cracks at hitting lefties. Now, if it's late in the game and the Phillies have – an opportunity to put a, a better right-handed hitter up to, to get a hit. I'm okay with that. You know, obviously you have to do with the rest of the team, but I want to see Marsh play. I love him in left field. I think he's, well, and we've seen it. I mean, he's a better left fielder than center fielder. Most guys are. You see, it's funny when the metrics, um, you looked, I looked at the metrics when he was traded to the Phillies last August. And, you know, the idea was he's an everyday center fielder. And I, I had big skepticism. You know, Marsh has taken a bigger jump this year offensively than I expected and credit to him. But I had a lot of skepticism of him as an everyday center fielder because, one, he didn't hit lefties. And the Phillies still seemingly don't trust me to hit against lefties. And, two, his numbers in Los Angeles were outstanding as a left fielder, like gold glove type of stuff as a left fielder. As a center fielder, he was fine. I think he's been, you know, slightly above average. He's an above average center fielder defensively. You know, he's not in Ross's category, but few maybe ever are. I mean, again, you look at some of the numbers, and I know – Defensive metrics are weird, but through 300-some innings this year, I mean, Roas is, is pacing like the best defensive player in the game. And that, that's how good he's been, that he win a gold glove he played every day for the entire season. So, yes, obviously, Marsh is not that. But I do like him in left field. A couple weeks ago, he made a catch in the corner that I don't know if anybody else in the team makes. Um, you know, I'll, I'll say any of the left fielder makes in the game, maybe two or three of them. It's a really, really good play. So you know you're going to have deficiency in right field with Castellanos, but if you could really load up defensively with Rojas, who's held his own offensively, and then Marsh in left field, that's the way I want to start the playoffs. I, I like that. You know, you have Jay Cave if you want it off the bench. You have Pache. I would figure out how many guys they're going to bring. You know, this would be a lot easier if Rodolfo Castro could actually play. It's been one of the weirdest trade acquisitions where he just he just sits sitting here rotting and not playing, you know, because he hits lefties. Or he did. Right? If he if he could run out to left field. Or, you know, in a pinched spot for Marsh, I'd feel better about that whole combination. But here's how I'm lining up game one. And I really have no reservations about this. I, I you know, Jay Cave, I like the spring training, has done enough. And Pache just doesn't ever hit enough. I, here's what I want game one. Real Muto at the catcher. First base, Bryce Harper. Second base, Bryce Stott. Shortstop, Trey Turner. Third base, Alec Bohm. Outfield. From left to right. Marsh. Rojas. Castellanos. That's the game one. 
defensive alignment for Rob Thompson. At least it should be. And I like the Phillies' chances with that because this defense in the outfield, center and left, will be superb. If they get enough offense from the top, from the Schwarbers and the Turners and the Harpers and the Bohms and the Stotts and the Real Mutos and the Castellanoses, you can get away with two guys at the bottom, you know, that you're maybe not sure of. You obviously march after Castellanos, but you can get away with a guy like Rojas. He's earned it. I think he, I love the way he's come out of, of sitting for a while to be ready to play and play at a high level. That defensive difference maker could be one on a big play. I, I, mean, I can picture it right now, you know, Mike Yastrzemski for the Giants or whoever, you know, say Suzuki for the Cubs, right center field, you know, two on, fifth inning, game one, two one Phillies, you know, a, a, a ball up the gap, like it's slicing away and Rojas glides to it and dives and makes the catch. Two runs saved, and the Phillies preserve it for game one. I mean, I, I can envision that right now. He's got to be in there. Appreciate everyone listening, subscribing, following, of course, 94 WIP to watch the WIP Daily Podcast. Thanks so much. Leave a review. Leave a rating. I truly appreciate you guys listening to the show. We'll talk soon on WIP Daily.